Okay, so tonight, Be'ezer Sashem, we're going to be continuing our series of Shiram on the Esser Sthiros. And tonight's Sthira is going to be the Sthira of Chesed. And the title of the Shir is going to be Chesed in its relationship to the concept of the expression of the self. Now, last week, what we spoke about in the Shir that was, in a certain sense, additional due to the fact that Das is not necessarily a Sthira unto itself, but rather it's the interface between the Gimel Ration, the three transcendent spheros of Keser, Chachma, and Bina, which represent thinking modes and consciousness, and the seven lower Midos, or the seven lower emotional states, which are going to be beginning with Chesed and ending with Malchus. Now, as we've spoken about, especially in the beginning Shirim, the spheros, the ten spheros, can be broken up into two categories. On the one hand, the three upper spheros represent transcendent wholeness prior to any disintegration, where things remain in a makif, surrounding the individual, relevant to our lives, yet nevertheless unsullied by the experiences of day-to-day living. The seven lower spheros, however, after das, are going to represent the shiva yemehabinyan, the seven days of creation, from Yom Rishon until Yom Shabbos, which because they take part in history itself, means that they are already susceptible to the vicissitudes of that which takes place within time and within human experience. Now, one of the fundamental distinctions between the first category of the first three spheros, which remain makif, or elevated and transcendent to the human being, and the seven lower spheros, which are going to be referred to as midos, or lived experiences, or phenomenological moods through which we see experience, the lower seven spheros are already affected by this primordial cataclysm, this originary trauma, which actually gives birth to the lower seven spheros. This originary trauma, or this cataclysmic beginning, is what we refer to as Shvira Sakenim. Now, at the onset of creation, after the initial tzimtzum, wherein God, so to speak, constricted his infinite light for the sake of revealing himself by way of limitation in a mitigated and measured form so that human beings can receive it without being nullified. After this initial tzimtzum, there takes place this breakdown, which we refer to as Shvira Sakelem, where there was an original plan to create the world and to create existence in a certain pattern, wherein lights and vessels, or expressivity and constriction, maintained a unified relationship with one another. And due to all the different reasons which we discussed in the Shirim, in particular on the Leshem, where we discussed 11 reasons for Shvira Sakhalim, the lower seven spheros of Chesed, Gvura, Teferas, Netzachod, Yesod, and Malchus were affected by this trauma, and they broke and they shattered into a million little pieces so that the experience of chesed through malchus is always already displaced and always already tinged by the reality of living in a world that is already separate from the original unity. That the world of the lower seven spheros, in contradistinction to the first three spheros, is going to be referred to as a pnimi. The first three spheros are going to be referred to as a makif, something that surrounds the individual, something that remains idealized and pure in the thoughtful presence of thinking and meditative stance. And the lower seven spheros are always going to be associated with our emotional lives. This is already the transition from an objective reality 
where things are clear, where things are present, where it doesn't demand questioning and answering from us to understand what's present, but rather things are given in their pure givenness in the way that they originated in the original will of God, so to speak. The seven lower spheres, however, are already subjectivity being born into reality. It's already tinged by our own particular experiences, that when one person experiences chesed, another person sees gevura, and where another person sees gevura, another person sees chesed. And there's already this mixed up, muddled up, shook up world wherein the different spheros are interacting with one another in a way that is chaotic. The seven lower spheros were the ones that were affected by what we refer to as the world of tohu or the world of chaos, which means to say that in these embodied states, these phenomenological moods, these emotional states that we see the world through, each of them are susceptible to failure, to brokenness, to sullenness, to darkness, and to the hither side of what they're actually meant to convey to a person. Now, when we discuss the lower seven spheros, we're no longer only talking in an idealized state where things are pure and good and light and representative of spirituality within the world and the divine plan within the world, but we're already talking about the human experience of the divine plan. And once human beings begin to take part in this process, we are always already susceptible to duality, to distinction, to light and to darkness, to the etadas tovvara, to Torah and to secular wisdom, to nighttime and to the daytime, to chesed and to gevura, towards kedusha and towards tumah. There's already going to be a binary breakup where these lower seven spheros, which begin with chesed, are going to fall into the possibility of duplicitous nature and where things seem to be the opposite of what they actually are. Now, most of the Mekubalim and the Tamidim of the Baal Shem Tov and the Vilnagon, when discussing the distinction between the first three spheros, which remain idealized in their purified unity, and the lower seven spheros, which remain embodied in their duplicitous nature of human experience, they refer to the lower seven spheros, these Sheva Yemei Habinyan, as being expressed in the Pasuk and Koheles of that God has created one thing against the other, which means to say very simply that any order of holiness that we find within this worldliness, within the confines of temporality, which are associated with the lower seven spheros that begin with the first day of creation and end with the Manucha of Shabbos, there's always going to be the thing in itself, in its purified form, as well as its potential counterpart when things don't go properly. In the first three spheros, in their transcendent form, there is no possibility of things deviating from their natural order. There is only the ideal reality with no realistic expression of idealism. It's different when it comes to the lower seven spheros, where we're already talking about a reality where things can go one way or the other way depending on our conscious awareness of things. So when it comes to chesed, gevura, teferes, netzach, hod, yesod, and malchus, there's the expression of this sphera in its holy form, and there's also the potential of the fallen expression of this sphera in its quote-unquote unholy form. Now this is something that the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh expresses and his Talmud Mufak, the Magad of Mezrish, it's, but expresses more so than really any other thinker. 
that each of the lower seven midos, each of the lower seven experiential phenomenological moods through which we choose to see the world have the potential of serving an elevated purpose, of bringing a person closer to the tachlis, to the telos and the purpose and the meaning of their lives, or pushing a person away from the purpose of their lives. Now, for our sake, we're going to look at the way that the Baal Shem Tov discusses this when it comes to chesed, because tonight we're going to be speaking primarily about the midah of chesed. The midah of chesed, the expression of loving kindness or grace within the psychological makeup of the individual as it reflects the divine makeup of the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu and, or God expresses himself within reality is that chesed is the notion of expressivity. Prior to the descent away from the three primordial transcendent spheros into the lower seven spheros, everything remained in its purified objective reality. Things were what they were, and there was no potential of things being other than what they are. When we descend from objectivity into subjectivity, that's where we begin to interpret things. That's where we begin to see things through our own interpretation, which is not necessarily in accordance with the ideal way that things are meant to be. Now, chesed, or loving kindness or grace, is the initial point the point of instantiation wherein the individual moves out of their mind, moves out of their intellectual processes wherein they behold God or meaning or purpose within the mind's eye, where there's no relationship with anything other than the self, almost as if the three motion of Kesar, Chachma, and Bina represent this solipsistic objectivity wherein all that matters is my own assumptions about things, or all that matters is my own perception of things, and chesed is the birthplace of intersubjectivity. It is where I move out of my mind, and I begin to interact with the reality of emotions and interactions with other people. And at that point, that interchange between objectivity and subjectivity, which takes place through the bridge of das, or connectivity, which we spoke about last week, is a very difficult space because when we begin to speak about subjectivity, we're always already beginning to speak about differences of opinion and differences of interpretation. And when it comes to understanding these lived states of the lower seven spheros, it's very important to understand that each subjective perception of each mood or each phenomenological lens through which we can see experience is going to be true for that individual. And like we said, what one person sees as chesed, another person might see as gevura, and vice versa. And that doesn't mean that either person is wrong. It just means that the realm of the lower seven spheros, or the pneumon, these internalized embodied states that exist within this world of material existence, take on different hues depending on the different experience that they're being seen through. Now, Chesed as the first svira, as the first mode of experience, is very simply going to be the ability of a person to move out of their interiority, to move out of themselves, and to move into the world itself. To emerge out of my conscious awareness of Kesar, Chachma, and Vina, and to emerge into a lived expression of loving kindness and manifestation. 
that it's only through chesed that I am capable of moving out of my internalized, isolated solitude and into the world of multiplicity, into the world of interpersonal relationships. Now, this chesed allows for me to take that which is potent within myself, to take the potential that exists within the objectivity of my mind, and it allows me to move outwards, to express myself outwards, to become other than my own self, and to engage with things that are opposite me, or to engage in what we refer to as relationship. In the world of Meichin, there's only unity. In the world of Kesar and Chachma and Bina, there's oneness, there's the self-same. And all that I can be occupied with is my own self and my own relationship with God and ideals and ideas and thinking. It's only when we emerge into the world of the Midos, which begin and are initiated with the mode of Chesed, that I begin to relate to something other than myself. It's the birthplace of duplicity. It's the birthplace of dualism, where there is something other than myself with which I need to relate. And the first instantiation, the first expression of relationship with multiplicity is going to be one of chesed. It's going to be one of loving kindness. It's going to be one of grace. Now, chesed is the ability of myself to relate to something that is other than myself. This is the birthplace of communication, of language, of dialogue. And it's necessary that the first expression, the first understanding that we have when it comes to dialogue is going to be one of chesed, one that sees the world as a place of potential goodness. Chesed and kindness and doing good for another person is built and constituted upon the idea that the world is a good place. Vayar Elohim esaor ki tov, that Hashem on the first day of creation saw the light and he said that it was good. That chesed is the basic affirmation that existence is good. When a person lives with a mindset of chesed, when a person embodies the, phenomenal, the phenomenological lens of chesed, it's a vision that sees the world as being good. It's a vision that sees other people as being good and benevolent and not negative and selfish. It's the almost immature or childish naivete that assumes that everything within existence is good, that the world is good, that other people are good, that experience is good, that life is good, that relationships are good. And this experience of chesed allows me to interact with other people. It's the birthplace of interaction. It says that as I emerge into the world of interpersonal relationships, as I move away from that meditative state of self-same unity where I existed only in the processes of my mind, it's the sense that when I confront the other, when I confront somebody other than myself or something other than myself, I can live with the basic belief that there is goodness within this experience, that there is something positive that can be born out of this, that there is something other than suffering and something other than difficulty that can be born out of the meeting between two people. Now this chesed, this loving kindness, this basic belief that the world is good and that things are good and that God is good and that other people are good is 
almost the most important belief that we can cultivate for ourselves. Because when a person lives within the world of duplicity, when a person falls into the Sheva Habinyan, which are already affected by this primordial cataclysm, this traumatic origin of the world, which creates the world in such a way that it is not what it is meant to be in its ideal state, the world in its fallenness and its deferred state can be terrifying. The other, the other person who is other than me, who in their otherness represents that which is unknown and that which is foreign to my experience, it can be threatening at first glance. And therefore, the first exposure that we have, the first need, the first trait through which we see experience is chesed, which tells us that the other is good, that something other than you does not need to be threatening to your self-same experience. It doesn't mean that they're coming to take what you have or to take away from what is arranged for you. But rather, chesed is the belief that the other person that I confront can offer me something positive and that I could offer them something positive as well. This is the birthplace of the Jewish experience. Avraham Avinu, Abraham, the father of ethical monotheism, is the paradigm of chesed, is the archetype of this personality that sees the other, that sees things other than myself as positive, as good, as offering meaning and not meaningless. It's Avraham who is capable of engaging in hachnasas orchim. It's Avraham who is capable of bringing the other into himself, of opening himself for the other person, not to remain satisfied or saturated within the self-same identity of myself, but rather to open myself up to other people, to open myself up to experience, which already opens me up to failure and disappointment. Within the lower seven spheros, within the temporal framework of the seven days of creation, there is already the possibility of good and bad. Avraham Avinu comes and tells us, the paradigm of chesed comes and tells us that in spite of the fact that there's a potential of good and bad here, we must live with the awareness that things are going to be good and that the world is good. Avraham Avinu is the paradigm of affirming life, of saying yes to life, as Nietzsche would say that when we confront the world of duplicity and when we confront the world of brokenness or shattered traumatic symptoms of the Shvirat HaKelim, it's all too easy for an individual to assume that things are negative. It's all too easy for a person to assume that things in the world are threatening and to close myself off in isolation or solitude away from the other. It's specifically Avraham Avinu who tells us that the purpose of creation is chesed, is is the natural inclination of the pure good to bestow good. That the purpose of creation is goodness, is kindness, is interrelationship, is multiplicity, is engaging with things other than ourselves. When the Mikubalim and the philosophers discuss the purpose of creation, this perennial question which discusses God's kavyachal original desire for creation, the answer given by the Arizal in Shaha Klalin and by the Ramchal in all of his svarim is that the natural proclivity of pure good, of God, of the good, capital G, good, 
is to bestow goodness onto its creations. That the purpose of creation was so that the pure good, which is the divine, can bestow goodness in the lowercase g to its creations. Now the Arizal, when discussing the purpose of the creation of the world, discusses two different reasons. The first reason that the Arizal gives is that God in his infinite capacity needs to be capable of expressing finitude and limitation so that infinity can be shown to contain within itself the capacity of finitude as well to disclose a deeper level of unity. That's the first reason given according to the Arizal in the beginning of Eitz Chaim. And later on in Eitz Chaim, in Shar HaKlalim, the Arizal says explicitly that the purpose of the creation of the world was for the good, capital G, to bestow goodness, lowercase g, onto its creations, because because something that is good only wants to bestow goodness and kindness. And the Ramchal, in his Perush on Otsros Chaim, in the, printed in the back of Otsros Ramchal by Rav Yosef Spinner Shlita, he writes as follows, the Ramchal says that these two reasons given by the Arizal for the creation of the world, on the one hand, God needs to manifest with infinitude for some sort of theosophic or theological necessity. And then on the other hand, on a very lived psychological experience, God simply wants to bestow good onto its creations. He wants life to be good for other people. There's enjoyment within the world. There's kindness within the world. There's love within the world. There's the possibility of compassion within the world. And Hashem wants to create that opportunity for people. And the Ramchal writes that never mistake and, and understand very deeply that the main purpose of the creation of the world is the second reason. It's that God, so to speak, wants to bestow goodness onto its creations. That God, so to speak, wants people to engage with one another. That there's connectivity and there's light in the world. That this idea of chesed, this idea of seeing the world through loving kindness or grace, is one that allows for me to suspend my disbelief in the cruelty of other people, and it allows me to see good in the world. It's that affirmation of, of saying yes to life. Instead of the pessimism which comes so naturally to so many people, when they perceive a world that is devoid of order, and they perceive a world that is unfair in so many of its facets, the Affirmative saying yes to life through chesed is saying Baruch Sha'amar Vahaya Ha'ilam, that blessed is he who spoke and let the world come into being, that the world is the debor of God, that the world is a good place, that it's a safe place, that it's a kind place for interconnectivity. And when you behold the face of the other, as Levinas spoke about so often, instead of being frightened and overwhelmed by the other person, and threatened by the other person, there's a psychological capacity that we have within ourselves to expect good from the other person, to anticipate kindness from the other person, to open up our tent like Avraham Avinu for the other, and instead of being threatened by the other, to embrace the possibility of joy within the world. That ki chesed keel kol hayom, that in spite of all the darkness, in spite of all the negativity in the world, we can still state ki chesed keel kol hayom, that everything is good, that God's creation is good. Chesed is our ability to say yes to the world. Chesed is based and rooted in the natural state of ahava, of love. The mekubalim 
and the Balei Hasidus and the Meforshim speak about two primary traits through which an individual can confront the world. A person can confront the world through the perspective of expansivity, which is associated with the right side of things, which is why chesed as an anthropomorphic form is going to be expressed as the yad yamin of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the right hand of God, so to speak, which is embracing and it makes room for other people. That biyamin mekareves, that with the right hand we need to bring the other into ourself with the basic belief that things are good and not threatening as opposed to the left side of thing, which are representative of gvura and constriction, that chesed is the capacity to embrace reality. Chesed is the ability for me to walk out of my door in the morning and say to myself, today is going to be a good day, in spite of the fact that history in its past has shown us so often that things are not going to be good. It's the promise that v'yar elokim or kitov, that God has seen the light and he said that it is good. Chesed is our ability to access this concealed goodness that hides within all brokenness, the promise of redemption that hides within all shattering, the promise of kindness and embrace and love, which is within all hate and yira. Now these two fundamental modes of experience, this yira and ahava, this gevura and chesed, Chesed is going to be representative of ahava, of love and connectivity. Chesed is truly only an expression of loving kindness within the world, of ahava, of seeing the world from a perspective of goodness, of positivity, of being an optimist and saying yes to life, affirming life in spite of all of the difficulties that we've experienced. This was the gift that Avraham Avinu gave to the Jewish people. This was the gift that Avraham Avinu gave to the world. Avraham Avinu gave to the world the ability to see unity in the world. Ahava, as our Mikubalim point out, and the Arizal points out explicitly, is going to have the same numerical value as Echad. Both Echad and Ahava contain and share the numerical value of 13. The trait of Ahava is the trait of Achdus. It's what allows us to see unity within the world. It's what allows us to see disparity and disunity and multiplicity and say that everything is truly unified. Everything is good. Everything is connected. Echad haya Avraham. Avraham Avinu associated with chesed, chesed Avraham. The chesed of Avraham, the loving kindness that Avraham performed for strangers and for the other teaches us that instead of seeing duplicity and otherness within the world, instead of seeing somebody else as threatening to my own personal experience, or instead of seeing as somebody taking away from what is pre-assigned to me, I can see the other as a welcomed gift. I can accept the other and accept the gift of embracing the other person, of opening myself up to the possibility that life is positive and that life is a space of unifying things. Echad haya Avraham. Avraham was the one who came along and he connected that which appeared duplicitous. He took darkness and he transformed it into light because Avraham believed deeply in saying yes to the world, in the affirmation of experience, in spite of all the darkness that Avraham Avinu saw. Avraham Avinu did not live a life that was easy. Avraham Avinu, the Medrash tells us, saw a bira dolekes. He saw a lit up palace. 
and he asked himself, is it possible that this palace exists without an architect? And this medrash is very often used as a paradigm of the faithful seeker who sees a world of order, and as a result of that ordered world, asks themselves, is it possible that there is no architect to this world? Is it possible that there is no creator to this world? Now that reading is very often given over to individuals who are seeking out a path of faith. Now there's a different way of reading this medrash. This medrash that says that Avram Avinu saw a lit up palace, a bira dolekes. Rav Yechiel Michal Tukachinsky, who was a Talmud and a Chaver of Rav Kook, wrote his opus on the halachos of death. His halachos, his experience of writing was a confrontation with death in the world, with loss and absence in the world. And the third volume of his writings is referred to as Gesher HaChayim, the, the bridge of life. And in this Sefer, he interprets this medrash. And he says, what is it that Avram Avinu saw? What is it that this paradigm or this archetype of chesed in the world saw that forced him to confront the basic reality that there is purpose and meaning and a creator in the world? And he says that Bira Dolekes, a lit up palace, doesn't necessarily mean a palace that appears beautiful so that it bespeaks the presence of an architect, but rather Bira Dolekes means a building on fire that Avram Avinu saw a burning world, a world of fighting and pain and suffering and darkness and polytheism and meaningless sacrifice and distortion and difficulty and when things don't go the way a person plans. And in spite of all of that, or perhaps because of all of that, Avram Avinu was capable of saying yes to the world in spite of the apparent darkness. It was Avram Avinu who came along and said, yes, this world appears dark. Yes, the descent away from Moichin, from Keser Chachma and Bina appears to be difficult. But nevertheless, we have the opportunity through the psychological state of Chesed to say yes to the world, to wake up every morning. Chadashim libekarim Rabba umunasecha. Boiker de Avram, the morning that is associated with Avraham. We have the ability to wake up every morning and in spite of the fact that yesterday was difficult and the day before was difficult, we have the ability to say yes to today, to the belief that today can be positive, to the belief that the other can be welcoming, to the belief that people are not threatening and that people are kind and there's goodness at the heart of all of experience. Now, the way that this trait is manifested is that chesed is my capacity to move out of myself and interact with other people through acts of kindness, through acts of opening myself up to the other. Now, this act of chesed, this ability to give charity to another person, to give of myself to another person, is actually representative of a much deeper psychological posture than we're typically used to. Instead of looking at chesed as simply a loving-kindness act, wherein I decide to help the other person, the way that our Meforshim and our Tzadikim describe the act of chesed is that it is my ability to think about something other than myself. That in the state of the Meichin, in the state of Keser, Chachma, and Bina, I am saturated with my own experience. And as that experience gets translated into the brokenness of subjective reality, it takes on a hue of self-centeredness and self-sameness and selfishness, wherein all that matters is me, and all that matters is what is positive for me, and all that matters is what is good for me. 
according to our Meforshim, according to Rav Dessler, Rav Eliyahu Dessler, a psychologist of the soul, in his Kuntra Sachesed, in Mikhtav Meliyahu, Chesed is this natural ability that I have to move out of myself, to make room for the other, to give of myself. That giving is not the result of love, but rather giving builds love. That it's only when I nullify myself and I realize that I am not the only person in the world, and that there are other people in existence who deserve to experience kindness and love as well, it's only then that I begin to feel love in myself. And the Rebbe Rashab has an incredible Lashon, and this is going to be in his Hemshech Ayin Beis. The Rebbe Rashab says as follows. He says that there's a difference between goodness and chesed. There's a difference between somebody who sees good in the world and somebody who is capable of engaging with the psychological mode of chesed. De'ish hatov hu sheroe garon hazulas hu she'eno ra'ui hu mikomako meitevimo. And this is on page... 486, that the good person is the one who sees the negativity of the world, who sees the failures of the other person, who sees the negativity of the other person, and in spite of all of that, is willing to give over to the other person. When it comes to the midah of goodness, because when it comes to seeing the world as good, the deficiency or the negativity or the anger or the threatening nature of the other person quite literally doesn't exist. And elsewhere in Tafresh Nuntes, in the Drashos of Hemshech Nuntes, the Rebbe Rashab writes something interesting. He says, it's not necessarily that the negativity of the other doesn't exist, but that someone who sees the world as tov, somebody who sees the world as good, simply doesn't care about the negativity of the other person, which is a fundamental distinction. I can engage with another person and believe that they're purely good and that all their intentions are kind, or I can live with the awareness that, yes, this person has a proclivity to negativity. Yes, this person is selfish like every other person, but I'm choosing not to care about it. And that decision not to care about the negativity in the world and to say yes to life in spite of negativity is going to be the mida of chesed. And the Rebbe Rashab continues and he says, Isha chesed, and this individual that represents chesed, he doesn't see any negativity in the world. He doesn't allow himself to see any negativity in the world. Because chesed doesn't mean that I don't see bad in the world, but it means that I choose not to see bad. I don't allow myself to fall into the pessimism that is so easy to fall into in this world. That instead of saying no to the world in this nihilistic, pessimistic annihilation of being, I choose to affirm existence. I choose to say yes to the other. I choose to say yes to the possibility of goodness in the world. And every person that I meet, every stranger and every other that I confront in my life is a potential and reasonable recipient of my loving kindness, of my acts of expressivity and giving over from myself. And the Rebbe Rashab continues and he says, and this is something that Rav Dessler and Rav Olbe mimic as well, is that this mida of chesed, this loving kindness, my capacity to give of myself to the other, is going to be solely dependent on my awareness that I am not the only person in creation, that the world does not revolve around me 
that I am not the most significant thing in the world. That just as I, in my own personal experience, experience difficulties and pain and love and ahava and excitement, so too the other experiences pain and love and joy. That chesed is my ability to join with the other and recognize that all of us are living in the same reality. That all of us are living with the natural tendency to say no to life and this overcoming our, of ourselves to express unity within the world, to see good in the world, to say yes to experience. Ki chesed keal kol hayom because there is a certain perspective that a person can cultivate within themselves, beneath all of the disparity and the difficulty of life, where they can say yes to life, where we can see goodness, where we can see unity, where we can see all of the differences in the world speaking to a general purpose and meaning of existence. Now, it's difficult for a person to do this. It's difficult for Avram Avinu to say yes. And there's a danger associated with saying yes. There's a danger associated with this optimism, with this affirmation of life. The Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh writes that the Pasuk, when describing, describing illicit relationships, incestuous relationships, isure midi oraisa, things that are prohibited on the ideal and objective level, it says that a person cannot marry A, B, or C, ki chesedhu. And the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh asks, he says, when discussing these illicit relationships, when discussing this unhealthy form of interconnectivity, why does the Torah use the word chesed? And the Baal Shem Tov writes, like we said in the beginning of the Shir, that the seven lower midos, the seven lower spheros, already create the playing space of zelu umas zeh, of this against the other of the potential of this midah being utilized for a positive expression and the potential for this midah or this experience to be utilized for a negative expression. And when chesed is unbridled, when chesed is not mitigated by gevura, which we're going to discuss next week, when chesed is unleashed upon the world and mere anarchy is unleashed upon the world, chesed is this overwhelming desire to connect to anything outside of myself. And when that desire to connect to things outside of myself goes without any checks and balances, it begins to connect to other people in unhealthy ways. It begins to be an inundation of the self onto the other, of an over-imposition of myself into the other person's life to the point where I can express myself and develop relationships which are illicit and unhealthy. So this mida of chesed, this loving kindness of moving out of myself and into the realm of the other needs to be measured and it needs to be mitigated. It needs to be done in a proper and healthy way wherein I choose where I want to say yes, where I choose who I want to connect to, where I choose where I want to cultivate my relationships. Now, it's specifically in this place of chesed that a person is really capable of living within the world that that chesed is not necessarily a given reality, but chesed is something that we must choose. That oilam chesed that God created a world, and it's our choice to see the world as a world of chesed. It's our choice to see the world as a world of unity. 
It's our choice to see the world as a calm, compassionate place that gives birth to connectivity in a healthy way and not one that is overwhelmed by destruction and danger. That I must build my chesed from within myself. That it's only through emuna and bitachon, it's only through the belief in the unity of all things that I'm capable of looking at the other and instead of seeing a frightening face that comes to devour me, I'm capable of seeing a world that is positive and open to possibility. Love and ahava, those are what give me the desire to connect to other things. Those are what give birth to the desire to make the other like myself in a way that doesn't negate the other in a violent assertion of myself, but rather makes room for the other. Like we said in the name of Rav Dessler and the Rebbe Rashab and Rav Wolbe, that chesed is contingent upon the awareness that I am not the most important thing in the world. And chesed gives birth to this undying desire, to this ahava, to this hope that I could connect to the other, to the extent that it's overwhelming. Ki kemaves ahava. The Pasuk and Shir Hashirim and Franz Rosenzweig in his meditations in the second half of the Star of Redemption expresses the Jewish ideal of love and chesed in a way that very few people have been capable of describing beforehand. He describes love as this overwhelming feeling and hope and desire to see good in the world. But yet it's a goodness that doesn't negate the negativity in the world, but it's a goodness that is aware of the negativity, is aware of darkness, yet nevertheless chooses to affirm chesed, chooses to affirm a loving perspective of the world. That when we see another person, when we confront our loved ones, there's always a fear that the chesed is going to dissipate. There's always a fear that the chesed is going to go away because it's so ephemeral. Because when I'm capable of choosing to see good in the world, I'm also consciously aware of the fact that there's so many reasons not to see good in the world. There's six million reasons at least not to see good in the world. There's six million reasons at least not to see the other as welcoming. Avram Avinu had all the reason in the world not to see others as loving kindness because he perceived the stranger as that which is welcoming instead of seeing the stranger as that which is looking to destroy, looking to throw into the oven like Nebuchadnezzar did to Avram Avinu. That the chesed of Avram Avinu was a mysterious nefesh it was a willingness to say yes to the world in spite of all of the reasons to say no to the world. That v'yaminu b'Hashem, that Avram Avinu believed in Hashem, v'yachshav lo and God considered it a, a righteous act because it was something that didn't come naturally. That Avram Avinu and the Jewish people have seen the other and have seen the other in all of its vicious manifestations. Yet in spite of all of it, each and every individual has the capacity to affirm the world and say yes to the world. And Rosenzweig speaks of love as an overwhelming anxious experience. It's the experience that in this moment, in this instant, I say yes to the world and I am so unbearably aware of the potential of saying no to the world in the next moment. And that is why for Rosenzweig and for our tzaddikim, love is is a momentary act. It's where I decide and I practically decide within my own self to see chesed in the world, to decide and choose to see good. This is expressed most explicitly in the childhood book of the Holocaust survivor, Morris Sendik. Morris Sendik wrote the book, Where the Wild Things Are. 
there's a remarkable passage in the book Where the Wild Things Are, where after Max is pushed away, Max, who has been punished by his mother for misbehaving, Max, who has experienced the darkness of the world, Max, who has experienced the reality that what I do is not always going to be good, that there's sometimes where I'm going to be sent to my bed without dinner. And Max, in his imaginative youthfulness, is capable of still seeing good in the world. And he leaves the world where he sees negativity. He leaves the world of his parents where he's been punished and banished. And he decides to wander off into a world of fantasy where he's loved and there's compassion. And as Max decides to return back to the world of reality after his encounter with all of the wild things, the wild things are so overwhelmed at the prospect of losing Max that they say, please don't go, please don't go, we'll eat you up, I love you so. That there's a love that is as strong as death. There is a desire to see unity in the world that is so overwhelming that you want to devour the other. That you want to say, I make sure right now that you will never leave me. That this goodness in the world will not dissipate. But the reality of love, the vulnerability of chesed, the potential opposite of chesed, Avram Avinu's vulnerable place in the world where his faith was a righteous act of kindness to God because everything in the world was a burning palace, like Rav Tukhachinsky said. That please don't go, please don't go, I'll eat you up, I love you so, is this intensivity of love, this intensification of chesed, which says, in this moment that I see good, in this moment that I'm capable of beholding love within the world, I want to hold on to it and never let it go. I don't want to let go of the belief that the world is good and that other people are good. Rabbi Nachman of Breslov, in the last tale of his ancient tales, in the story of the seven beggars, which we've discussed multiple times in the series of Shirim from the beginning of Reshmilim up to this point. Now, these beggars, these orphans who get married in a pit of mud, who get married with branches and dirt covering their heads, surrounded by beggars and the impoverished of the world. That represents for us the nature of modern reality. That represents for us a world that has shown itself to be harsh, that has shown itself to be difficult. Yet nevertheless, these orphans decide to get married. They decide to see love in the world. They decide to get married in spite of their lostness. Now, the seven beggars that come to give them gifts are the prophets of brokenness, those individuals who have experienced the brokenness of the world and in spite of all of it had decided to say yes to the world, had decided to affirm through that chesed kel kol hayom, to see only chesed in the world in spite of all the negativity. The first beggar that comes, according to many of the Meforshim, on the Sipuri Maisios, Rabbi Nachman, is associated with the Midah of chesed. And this blind beggar, who comes and he says to the marriage of the lost, to the orphans, as they're standing in the pit, at their shevabrachos, offering them a gift of the, the drasha. Drisha also means seeking out. The blind beggar offers these orphans who are sitting in the pit of mud in a world that is devoid of goodness, and he says, I'm going to tell you a secret. You think I'm blind, but I am not blind, but rather all of the vision of the world Everybody's outlook, each person's vision in this world is sullied and broken by negativity, is sullied and broken by time's procession of the fact that things do not last and that the center cannot hold and that things fall apart and that Max is cast off to his bedroom and that Avram Avinu is thrown into the furnace and that 
reality and society and all modes of experience have seen that the other is not kind and not welcoming. He says, you think I'm blind, but I'm not blind. But this entire world does not emerge to vision in my life because I see the world in an entirely different way, says the blind beggar. The blind beggar is this ish ha-chesed ha-emes, this true kind person who sees the world as being yes, of being affirmative, of being a possible space of kindness, of welcoming the other, of experiencing the stranger and saying that the stranger can offer me something that nothing else can offer me. And instead of closing of my doors and pushing that person away, I open myself to the possibility of experience, of saying yes to the world. The Zohar HaKadosh refers to chesed. And this is expressed in Rabbi Nachman as well in multiple places. And this is also going to be expressed in the Arizal in his Kavonos of the Lulav, is that chesed is yuma debayim kol yoma. That the light of chesed is the day that goes with all days. That as we're going to see in the process of the shirim, each day is going to be representative and associated with a different midah, with gevura, with teferas, with different ways of looking at the world. But the only way that these seven lower midos are going to be meaningful to a person is if they're aware and they remember that every single day that exists contains chesed within it. That there is a day that goes with all days. That Avraham zakein babi yamin. That Avraham grew old and he came with days. Which means to say that in all of the differentiated days, in all of the darkness and negativity and joy and excitement and pain and forlornness and loneliness and isolation that Avraham Avinu and that each and every person experiences, there is a form of chesed underneath it all. That if a person chooses to affirm reality, if a person chooses to see the world as good, then we can cultivate connectivity. Then we can cultivate relationships. The other is no longer threatening, but rather the other offers a gift to us that we could not have experienced without the other. And it's only through chesed that we're capable of emerging out of our self-sameness, emerging out of the realm of unity, and embracing a world that in spite of its darkness, and in spite of its scariness and its fear, can actually be a place of grace, a place of loving kindness and connectivity, and achdus and yichud and ahava. Next week, Be'ezra Hashem, what we're going to discuss when we discuss the sphere of Gevura is how chesed needs to be tempered by reality. How the ore of chesed, the goodness of the world, needs to be tempered by the vessels that constrict it. Because unbridled expression inundates, like we said, ki chesed hu, that illicit relationships are born out of this desire to connect to everything outside of oneself. And only through Gevura only through limitation and constriction and limitation are we capable of not only measuring our chesed, not only measuring our assumptions that the world is good, but we actually paradoxically have the ability through limitation to potentiate goodness, to make goodness more palpable and more experiential. And so that through chesed and gavura, we actually have the ability to unify two opposing traits which create a sum that is greater than the sum total of its parts.